Hello, and welcome once again to Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. I am Chris Levine, and I will be your host again this time around. Now, this is episode 16 in our series called Psychology on Vinyl, where we try to understand both the subtle and blatant psychology behind and within famous records. The artist whose work we're going to analyze today was here and gone pretty quickly, unfortunately. But in that short time, he went on to influence a lot of people. Uh, Peter Buck of R.E.M. and Robert Smith of The Cure were a few. Uh, It's been told that The Cure's name actually comes from his lyrics, where he sang about a troubled cure for a troubled mind. Who are we talking about? Well, today we will be checking out the third and final studio album by Nick Drake. He called this one Pink Moon. Now, Nick Drake had two problems at the time that he was recording this record. Number one, he was doing drugs while at the same time taking prescribed medication for severe depression and schizophrenia. This combination made him numb and difficult to communicate with. Pink Moon came out in 1972, and early in that exact same year, he had had a nervous breakdown and was hospitalized for a while. We have a lot to talk about there. Now, his second obstacle is that he was passionate, talented, and atmospheric, but just was not as exciting, I guess you could say, as his competition at the time in the world of music, singers, songwriters, commercial world. One reviewer at the time was quoted as saying that, quote, maybe it's time Mr. Drake stopped acting so mysteriously and started getting something properly organized for himself, end quote. Now, I first heard his records around 1994, and personally, I don't agree with that reviewer at all. Let's put it like this. Have you ever seen movies that you fell in love with that were in black and white? And then someone gets the brilliant idea to colorize those movies. On very few occasions, for me, in my world, does that work? Sometimes I guess it does, but most of the time it doesn't. Because you completely change the feel and the atmosphere of the film. Nick Drake, by all means, would have sold more records if he added the bells and whistles and he hired a crack backing band maybe turn some of these songs on Pink Moon into music with a Beatlesque backbeat. But that wouldn't have worked. It wasn't him. In fact, on this record, it is all just him, singing and playing short little emotive songs. It's a black and white movie that needs to stay a black and white movie. In his case, one might say, less is truly more. Now, Nick Drake would sadly die in 1974 at age 26 from an overdose of an antidepressant. Look, just to make sure this is clear, I am not romanticizing that or him. But what I am doing is bringing attention to his work as it says the things that he may not have been able to put into words in an actual conversation. That is not only relatable, but also very psychologically telling. And in this way, I feel I can relate to it. Let's get into it. 
first off, I wanted to mention that he plays a gorgeous, gorgeous acoustic guitar. Uh, it's soothing to the listener, and one might wonder if it was for him as well when he was playing. The first song is a nice example of this, and it's probably the song you may have heard by him. It's funny, it was by no means a hit, but ironically, it was used in all places in a 1999 commercial selling that year's Volkswagen Cabriolet. It's the title track on the record, Pink Moon. And when that Volkswagen ad came out, way after he died, people wanted to know, who is that? All of a sudden, it landed at number five on Amazon.com's sales charts. And the song clocks in at a whopping two minutes and four seconds. The next song you could kind of call the little brother of the song Help that John Lennon wrote in the Beatles. Both are cries for help. Now, Lennon's was surrounded by such gloriousness that many people happily sing along to the words of help and never catch the idea that he was singing about desperately needing help. <laughs> but Nick Drake's song called Place to Be, it does the same, but yeah, it's pretty clear he's sad and he needs help. As pretty as the guitars are on this record, you hear a lot of reaching out for something he knows he needs, though he both doesn't know what it is, nor does he have the drive to even look for it. He, he kind of comes across as someone who might hide when there's a knock at the door, and then shortly after feels lonely, but if he had to do it all over again, he still wouldn't answer the door. Healthline.com identifies one major aspect of severe depression as just lost interest in everything. By many accounts, other than when making music, Nick Drake seemed to fit the bill here. The article says that depression can take the pleasure or enjoyment out of the things you normally would love. A loss of interest or withdrawal from activities you once looked forward to, a hobby, going places, is yet another telltale sign of major depression. There was a similar artist at the time named John Martin, and John Martin described Nick Drake in this period as the most withdrawn person he had ever met. According to him, he would borrow his mother's car and just drive for hours without any purpose or any destination until he ran out of gas, and then he would need someone to come find him and get him. That says a lot. Kind of a side note, too, John Martin in 1973 wrote the title song of his own album, Solid Air, specifically about Nick Drake. Another song on side one is called Road. This one clocks in at one minute and 59 seconds. I personally feel Road is his saying that his world is just simply different than the others. In his world, shooting for the stars isn't possible with his mental limitations, which he apparently was clearly aware of. Notice some lyrics here. You can say the sun is shining if you really want to. I can see the moon and it seems so clear. You can take the road that takes you to the stars now. I can take the road that'll see me through. So he acknowledges you, but he knows he can't be you. It's the guy who likes to read 
who is a loner at school, trying to explain his life and thought patterns to the captain of the football team, most likely to succeed heartthrob guy. And that guy just not getting it because he's never been there. This is very relatable. I mean, how many of us have felt like this from time to time? It's not being negative. In fact, you know what? I'll take back and apologize for calling the other person in my illustration the captain of the football team most likely to succeed heartthrob guy. He didn't necessarily deserve the stereotype. Maybe he has pressures in ways the loner will never be able to relate to as well. See, we will all feel unrelatable at some points in our lives, and Road speaks to this. But jumping to side two, we start with a song called No, K-N-O-W. It's chilling because it's so incredibly simple, but it's open to all kinds of interpretation. Here's my interpretation of the words. First of all, here they are in total. This is it for the song. Know that I love you. No, I don't care. Know that I see you. No, I'm not there. I have always thought this was written as a two-way conversation. I could be totally wrong. But I feel it's him declaring his love for someone that doesn't love him. But he still has to tell her he does, even knowing it won't affect her in any way. So he's saying to her, know that I love you. She's replying, no, I don't care. He's saying, know that I see you. And she's saying, no, I'm not there. It, to me, it's poetry in the same way. I mean, if I had to kind of compare it to something that the red wheelbarrow by William Carlos Williams is poetry. Uh, on first glance, people read it and it's, it's too easy. The whole poem goes like this in total. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. When I tell people I think that's a brilliant poem, many laugh, most laugh. Anyone could write that, right? Wrong. Allow yourself to try to interpret it and count the possibilities. So much depends upon a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater beside the white chickens. What depends on this? Is it symbolic? I once read someone's interpretation that it's describing a mouth, which helps you to breathe, speak, and eat red being the lips inside it is wet and the white chickens are teeth is it literal a farmer needing these things to survive people have been debating the possibilities of this for decades and i as a result see its brilliance it's a conversation piece now william carlos williams who was a physician in addition to being a writer was smart enough to really have put the thought into it beforehand to know that it would be open to hundreds of interpretations. To me, the song No is just like that. I settled on my interpretation, but who says that's the right one? Who says that's the best one? And similarly, Nick Drake was smart enough to write the same open-ended interpretive piece as well. More low self-imagery takes place in the song Parasite 
with its beautiful Dear Prudence sounding music. The last song on side two is called From the Morning. I have always thought this one compared night turning to day and back again to the cycle of everyday human life. He, he sings, a day once dawned and it was beautiful. A day once dawned from the ground. Then the night she fell and the air was beautiful. The night she fell all around. And then later, so look, see the sights, the endless summer nights, and go play the game that you learned from the morning. A line from this song, sadly, is on his actual gravestone in England, which reads, and now we rise, we are everywhere. It's a life cycle. Let's close this way. Depression is no joke, guys. This man is gone. Think about it. Gone. Death is never romantic, no matter how much you Hollywood it up. Having suffered depression, too, I can tell you that I can relate to the feeling of lying in a dark room, unable to move, because the anxiety is so intense, any movement feels like work. For many in this predicament, music is like medicine. Music doesn't cure the headache. It's more like ibuprofen. It just kind of takes the edge off. If music could by itself cure all depression, my guess is that Nick Drake and countless others would both still be here and thriving. My point is this. If you suffer from it, please get help. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I'd rather you be here and be able to be a little uncomfortable than to be gone and never able to ever again see a pink moon. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist. And for this Psychology on Vinyl series, the subject matter is the playlist itself. So we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast Nick Drake Pink Moon playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash Nick Drake Pink Moon. Let's break it down into the original sides that were on the record. Side number one, first song, Pink Moon. Number two, Place to Be. Number three, Road. Followed by Which Will. That's pretty. Number five is horn. And number six, things behind the sun. Side two, number one is no, followed by parasite, free ride, harvest breed, and then finally from the morning. The longest song on here is things behind the sun at three minutes and 57 seconds. And the shortest one on here is horn at one minute and 23 seconds. This is almost like you're getting a sampler, but it is a full, complete, cohesive album. That is our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash Nick Drake Pink Moon. We would like to welcome some new listeners to our little show. Our demographics report shows that we now have listeners in three new parts of Florida that we hadn't seen on our radar before. Gibsonton, 
Floral City, and Winter Garden, Florida. We also have some new listeners in Haines, Alaska, and outside the United States in Mendoza, Argentina, which I read is an access point to two beautiful wine valleys, the Valley de Uco and Luján de Cuyo. Welcome to Refresher, everybody. We're so happy you're here. Listen, this show would simply not exist without you. If you could all do me a favor and please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. Also, if you would like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you could make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. You also can go and check out our website for all things Refresher at refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. That's refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. And when you go there, you can find some cool refresher gear, as well as some books and links to our friends of the show. Please check out those that are helping to sponsor the show. Uh, we want to show them a lot of love. They don't have to do that, and we appreciate them. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by none other than Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the pop culture therapy podcast. Everybody, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. We'll see you next time.